So it's March 22nd, 2014 at Govardhan, India at the Vaishnavi retreat and we're going to be could we have this a little this because I've got to be like this can move the microphone a little this okay at the Vaishnavi retreat and we're going to be looking this is part one of Krishna's reciprocation so today yeah, can you just move this a little? Today we're going to be looking at the problem. What is the problem? Can you just have to like move, loosen this and put this down? No. Loosen this. Yeah, yeah. And there we go. Okay, and then tighten it again. First class. Okay, so today we're going to just look at the problem. So by the end of today's class, you're going to feel really bad. <laughs> no, seriously. Really seriously. Because all we're going to look at today is the problem. Hmm. Then tomorrow, we're going to look at Krishna's answer as to all the different kinds of loving and non-loving relationships there are in the world. So tomorrow we're going to get part of the answer. And I'm really sorry for those of you who can't attend the third day, because only on the third day are we really going to get the answer. <laughs> As to why Krishna does or does not reciprocate uh, with us. So... I'm sure we often feel that, you know, I'm doing everything I can. Hey, I'm just giving everything I can to Krishna, and yet it's all dry. Where is Krishna? Why isn't he reciprocating with me, right? And then we, we may have some moments, some like glimpses, where we're like, yes, Krishna's real, he's really there. It's so sweet. If I'm going too fast for your translation, will you tell me? Okay. All right, you too? Anyone else translating besides those two? So we may have these moments where we say, yes, Krishna's there, he's so sweet, he's so wonderful, and then the moment's over. And you think, how do I get it back? Maybe if I do the same thing again, and you do the same thing again, and it doesn't work. Or, you know, you'll talk to some other devotee and they have some wonderful experience and you don't have that experience at all. They say, oh, I went to this seminar, I went to this holy place, I did this vrata, and this wonderful, I had this ecstasy and this... And you go and do the same thing, nothing happens. <laughs> and you wonder what's going on. Why doesn't Krishna reciprocate? So we're looking at the 10th canto of Bhagavad Gita, chapter 32. Now, Prashila Prabhupada's last chapter that he commented on was 13, but we do have Krishna book. So we have Prabhupada's Krishna book. We have, of course, the commentaries of the Acharyas, Vishnu Chakravati Thakur, Sanatya Goswami, uh, Sampai Jiva Goswami. We're also looking at Ananda Vrindavan Champu, and to some small extent, uh, Go Paul Jump. 
were in the Dandaka forest. They saw Ram and they said, Oh, I really want to marry him. I want to be his beloved. But how could they be? He had taken Ekapadni Vrat. But Ram understood their desire. And he said, with his silence, he said, Yes, you'll be able to be my beloved gopis when I come as Krishna. But that was a long time later, wasn't it? So if you're one of the sages with Lord Ramachandra, how long do you have to wait before you become gopi? In Vrindavan, it's a long wait, isn't it? Millions of years. There was also the personification of the Vedas. So during the time that Krishna advents, the personified Vedas see Krishna's Leela and they say, Oh, I want to enter into that Leela and be one of Krishna's gopis. And they have to wait until the next day of Brahma. So how long are they waiting? A long, long time. Billions and billions of years. Finally, they take birth as gopis. After millions or billions of years of longing and waiting and praying, and Krishna takes their clothes and says, Later. And then, one night, dark forest and finally finally after so many millions and billions of years of wanting to be with Krishna Krishna finally calls them just imagine even in this life we're saying Krishna I want to join your pastimes I want to be with you Krishna when will you call me Krishna finally, finally yes, you come and now when they come what does Krishna say to them? go home what are you doing here? supposed to be home these were the personified Vedas (laughs) says why aren't you following Dharma? they're like we're not going home we have already been waiting for 10 billion zillion years. We're not going home. Krishna says, okay. And he starts uh, to play and joke. They're finally with their beloved. After so long, oh, they thought, we are the most 
most fortunate. There's nobody, nobody more fortunate. Finally, after so much sadhana and tapasya, after so much longing and so much eagerness, I'm finally getting to be with Krishna. I am the most fortunate. And then? He was gone. Just gone. No matter where they looked, he was gone. Even they found Radharani had been left. She was alone. He'd gone. How is it after so long, after so much austerity, after so much eagerness, after so many prayers, after waiting for so many billions and billions and billions of years, and Krishna finally calling and finally getting to be with Krishna, he left. No explanation, no goodbye, just come. We may think, oh, I've been chanting for so long, going to so many holy places, where is Krishna? Or we have that moment, right? When Krishna comes for a moment <laughs> and then gone. And they went mad. They actually went mad in love. So mad that they felt they were Krishna themselves enacting his lila and looking everywhere for him. And finally they said, we're just going to stay here and sing and wait for him to come. And then, just as suddenly as he left, there he was. Saibya puts his right foot on her breast, she sits down. Krishna's balanced on his left leg and his left arm. And Radharani just stands from a distance, looking angry. <coughs> and Lalita's just staring, taking him into her heart. And Rishaka's with her eyes closed, taking him into her heart. And Bhadra is singing. And then Krishna comes and sits down next to each gopi on a cloth that they put out that's scented with the fragrance of their own body. So now here's the problem. Now we have now it's like turned down all the way. 
it got turned down so far that there's nothing at all. Yep. So they said, who would do this? How are you a gentleman? How do you call for us and then leave us? How do you take someone who loves you so much, who hankered for you for so long, who's given everything to you, and gave up all dharma, all connection with family, so many austerities for so long, and you called us. And not only did you leave us, you left us in the middle of the jungle. situation on the material level with our karma, just like Lord Brahma says, Tathena comes from Those who accept whatever suffering they have and say, this suffering is due to my own misdeeds. I am the one who's responsible. We generally don't believe that. We generally believe, I'm a good person. I care about others. I want to help others. Why should terrible things happen to me? I mean, I can understand why they happen to somebody else. Other people have so many faults, but why should they happen to me? So we may think this way also in devotional service. I mean, it's quite, how would you say? It's quite a deep thing to understand that what happens to me on a material level is actually my fault. So I have one good friend who was telling me a story. She lives, uh, she's been living in a temple ashram for many years. And she found that the doorknobs at the, in the bathroom were always wet that somebody was washing their hands and then putting their wet hands on the doorknob. So she did a lot of investigation to find out who is this person who's leaving the doorknobs wet. And after a long time, she found out who was doing this. And she went to this devotee and said, please, after you wash your hands, I'm controlling it here. Don't just leave it. After you wash your hands, please dry them so that you don't leave water all over the doorknob. Oh, okay. And then she would forget. She had to ask her, you know, like five, six times. Finally, she started leaving the doorknobs dry. And then again it happened, like two weeks later. 
And again, she thought, must not be the same person, must be a different person. And she investigated and found out, oh, it's the same person. She said, why aren't you drying your hands? She said, oh, why are you bothering me? It's not an important thing. So my friend said, she thought, why is this happening to me? Maybe I'm doing something wrong. So she's a pujari, and she prayed to the deities, please show me what I'm doing wrong. And the next morning, when she went to wake up the deities, she did achman, and then she goes to touch the deities, and all of a sudden she can understand that her hands are all wet. And she was touching the feet of the deities with her wet hands. And she can see, ah, oh, oh, that's why this is happening to me. So I have had many similar stories in my own life that I think I am innocent, that other people are hurting me, but I am not doing anything to anybody. So I'd like to tell one, so I could tell many, many stories, but I'd like to tell this one because it's quite simple. So I was in a temple where I was running a project and sometimes the leaders of the temple, when they would have management meetings, sometimes I would go to the meetings, and sometimes not. They would have me come if the meetings would have something to do with the school I was running. But occasionally, when they thought there'd be nothing that would concern me, still something would come up. And then they would tell me later, oh, we made this decision, and it's going to have this effect on your school, you know, so sorry you weren't at the meeting. And then I would say, please, next time, if you're going to make some decision like that, you know, invite me. Or wait, wait till the next meeting when I can come. Oh, yes, yes, we'll do that. And, you know, then a few months later it would happen again. Oh, we're so sorry, we're so sorry. Next time we'll do that, we'll do that. And then it would happen again. So one day I was thinking, maybe this law of karma applies to me. Again, usually we think, oh, karma applies to somebody else, <laughs> but not to me. So I thought if it applies to me, then maybe what is happening to me, I am also doing. So I started really praying, uh, my dear Lord, please show me, do I ever do this? Do I ever make a decision about someone's life without consulting with them? So I prayed that way in the evening, and then I forgot about it. You ever pray something and then forget about it? So I forgot about it. And then the next morning, beginning of Java time, I was just saying, please, Shrimati Radharani, if there's any devotees I've offended, uh, please let me clear that so that I can chant properly. I was, was really like, deeply praying like that. So right after the morning program, I had to leave early. I stopped by the kitchen. I said, can I get a plate of prasadam? I need to leave early. And the cook says, all morning, Urmila, I was thinking I needed to tell you something, but I thought maybe you would be angry. I said, no, don't tell me. She said, I have a good friend who you offended a year ago, and she's been very upset. She hasn't wanted to come to the temple. I said, oh, thank you. She said, you're not angry? I said, no, I was praying this morning that I could be free from my offenses to the devotees. So I went back to my house. Immediately, I called her. And she said, I said, what did I do that offended you? I didn't even remember anything. You know, when people offend us, we remember forever, huh? 
And when we offend others, we don't even know we offended them. <laughs> so she said, well, you remember a year ago, uh, one of the ladies was going to have a baby, and I was going to go to the birth, and then you told her, no, don't invite her. Because this woman was a little, how do you say, intense. So I had said to the mother, I don't think it's good to have her there at the birth. And she said to me, well, you know what she said to me on the phone, yes. She said, you made a decision about my life without consulting. And then I went, wow. There really is karma. So generally we think I am a victim. We think I have done so much. I am giving so much. I, why am I suffering? And we also think this way with Krishna. We think, you know, I, I'm a good devotee. I'm following everything. I remember many, many, many years ago, I got very sick and I got very angry at Krishna. And I said, Krishna, why am I so sick? I'm following the four principles. I'm chanting 16 mounds. I'm going to Mandalartik. I'm reading Prabhupada's books. I'm good. <laughs> why are you making me sick? I'm a victim. <laughs> we think if Krishna doesn't reciprocate with me, that it's, some, it's his problem. I'm a good person. I, we don't see that we're actually criminals. We don't believe that we're criminals. Narayan is going to be talking what, tomorrow about an art of Vritti. We don't believe we have an artist. We don't really believe it. You know, in our Hare Krishna movement, we have this culture of saying, I'm so fallen. Oh, I'm so fallen. Oh, you know, I'm not a pure devotee. <laughs> you know, I have lost greed. I mean, it's nice that we say that. Materialistic people don't even say that. They don't even think they have it. They don't even theoretically accept they have any problems. But do we really believe it? We really believe. I'm really full of nasty things. I mean, one of the things that happens as you seriously practice Krishna consciousness is you start to see, I'm, I'm really nasty. I'm not really somebody that Krishna wants to be with. Like in the cleaning of the Gundija temple, there's little grains and dirt in my heart. And if I ask Krishna to sit there, you please stay day and night in the temple of my heart. Just like we came here yesterday. Oh, here's your room. And I go, Ugh. Did you, as many of you had the same experience? I said, Ugh. Give me a broom. <laughs> How can I? You walk in the room and it's like, Yes. All this stuff on your feet. And you want to put down your bag and it's... <laughs> Let me clean first. So we say to Krishna, Krishna, come sit in my heart. And he says, uh, do you have a broom? <laughs> but we think, oh, I'm so nice. And our other problem may be that we think that Krishna's not really a person. We may think the process is mechanical. If I just do this, I just do this. And Krishna has to come like he's my servant. I just chant 16 rounds and I'll just sit in one place and I won't move. I went to this seminar by this sannyasi and he says, you just don't move for 16 rounds. I'll do that. I'll come to Vrindavan 
and I'll just sit here at Govardhan and I'll chant, maybe not 16, maybe I'll chant 120. And then Krishna will have to come. We think that Krishna is a machine. Like on this machine, if you push this button, this button, then it, it does what it's supposed to do. If it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, you take it to the repairman and you say, my machine's not behaving. Okay? And then they fix it. I remember once I was seeing a doctor for some treatments and I said, I've come for so many treatments and it's still, I'm still not better. I said, if I brought in some, you know, radio for this many treatments and it was still not better, he looked at me, he said, then you would throw it away. <laughs> so we think like that. We think Krishna's a machine. I push this button, I push that button, I've done this, I've done that, I follow this rule, where is he? We don't realize this is about a relationship and that we are not victims. We are offenders. If someone has offended us, right? who here has someone in their life who've offended you? You had somebody in your life who offended you, cheated you, lied to you, disappointed you, hurt you. Some of you have never had anyone in your life hurt you, like never, ever, ever, anybody in your life hurt you, offended you, cheated you, lied to you. Okay, do you have anyone in your life who's hurt you, offended you, cheated you, lied to you, and still has not apologized? Okay. So especially if it was really bad, you know, especially if they really cheated you, you don't just want, I'm sorry, or... Just forget about it and we can just be friends again, right? You want to see that the person really is sorry. That they really understand how they've hurt you and they really want to fix it. So that is what Krishna is looking for from us. Right? If some man has a wife and if he goes out and has, you know, a hundred girlfriends also and then one day he just comes to his wife with some roses, will she let him back in? Will the wife let him back in? He's cheated on her with a hundred other women, and then he just comes with some roses. Will she say, okay, finished, you can come and ask? No. And he says, but it says in the book, if you give your wife roses, she'll love you. Right? So the process is not mechanical, nor are we victims. Krishna was massaging their hands and feet also. 
and the seats on which they were sitting was better than the best asana that could be offered, but even by the demigods. But still they were a little angry. Wouldn't you be a little angry? <laughs> they were a little angry. So they said, um, we're, we're a little curious about something. There's something we really don't understand. Um, would, would you help us out with this? Right, so we may go to Krishna sometimes and say, Krishna, why aren't you here? Why have you left? Why am I suffering? Right, but now he'd come back. So they were like, they didn't want to come out and say, um, <clears throat> yeah. So they were indirectly. Actually, women are especially good at this, huh? This indirect asking. Um, <clears throat> uh, my dear, I have a problem. I'm wondering <laughs> so like that. Uh, we're just we're just trying we're just trying to understand what's right and what's wrong. <laughs> I said, Deb, you know, you're, you're very learned, and we, we're just simple girls. We don't, we don't really know what's the answer, and, and, and we're kind of hoping that, that you can answer our questions. So this was their desire. They're thinking, we don't want to call you ungrateful. We don't want to say that you've done something wrong. We want to trick you into admitting it yourself. So now the gopis are going to ask some questions. So this is very important. When we have difficulties, when we have doubts, when we feel that the Lord is not reciprocating, when we feel lost, we need to talk to Krishna. We need to talk to Krishna. I mean, just like that little story I told you about myself, I, I finally said, okay, you know, am I actually, am I actually doing something? Is there something that I'm doing to talk to Krishna, to open one's mind to Krishna, to open one's heart to Krishna? To open one's heart also, of course, to the devotees. Now, second year. <laughs> Something that we don't generally think about when we talk about revealing our, our mind and asking questions. You know, asking questions, revealing our mind, it's one of the six loving exchanges, yes? We give prasadam, we receive prasadam, we give gifts, we receive gifts, we give, give, open up our mind, and we hear the other person open their mind. So just like when you give someone a gift, you should give them a gift that they want. Yes, isn't that a fact? Who here has ever gotten a gift that they really didn't like? And sometimes you wonder... Why are they giving me this? Yes. 
This happens to me all the time when I travel because people don't understand. Like people are always asking me, so now are you going back? I'm like, no, I'm going forward. <laughs> you know, when you travel all the time, people don't understand. It's not like you're someplace and then you're going back home and then you stay home for a long time. And then, you, know, you just keep going. And you just have one little bag. And they give you these strange gifts. I was in one place where they gave me a huge framed picture of their, their deities. Big glass carry this on the plane, you know, imagine <laughs> taking this big picture, okay, or, or one another place, someone gave me a big, big glass bottle of olive oil, <laughs> take this on the plane, and when we give prasadam, we should give people what they like, right, Mahaprabhu does this, when he's serving the devotees, he serves everybody what they like, so guess what, it's the same when we reveal our mind. When we reveal our mind to someone, it should not be about me, it should be about also them. Just like when I give a gift to somebody, it should not be just about me, it should be also about them. And of the five austerities of speech, what is the most important? No, truth was not the most important. Pleasing, not the most important. Beneficial. We should speak in a way that benefits us and the other party. Always, whatever we say to anyone, we should be thinking not just of my benefit, but of their benefit. If I speak to others thinking only of my benefit, then I'm trying to take their energy for my own purposes. That's called stealing. Huh? Yes? Not good. So same when we talk to Krishna. When we talk to Krishna, we should be thinking, will Krishna get pleasure in my speech? So when we pray to Krishna, when we talk to Krishna, even with our deepest doubts, even if we are talking to Krishna, questioning him, as the gopis are about to do here, so we should always think, how can my prayers to Krishna, my revealing my mind to Krishna, how can I give pleasure to Krishna? You do this, then you get a point. You do this, you get a point. 
So these authors, they say, you know, men and women, they give points for things. If a man does something, the woman says, aha, that gets a point. That gets 10 points. And the man thinks if the woman does that, oh, this gets 10 points. That gets 20 points. And in our human relationships with conditional life, we tend to think we want the score to be pretty even. Of course, we want to get a little bit more. Generally, we want a little bit more. Usually, we like a bargain, yes? When you go buy something at this store, you don't want to just pay what it's worth. You want to pay a little less than what it's worth. So this is the first kind of people. The first kind of people, if someone loves them, they love them back. Same amount. Someone doesn't love them, they don't love them. They love people according to how much they are loved. And they have a score, right? And you hear materialistic people, especially those people like this. Well, why should I care about her? She doesn't care about me. No. And they're calculating, how much does this person care about me? I will care about them the same, or a little less. <laughs> And that's at the basis of all their relationships. Then the second type of person, the Gopi said there's also another kind of person. Now this kind of person, uh, they love even people who don't love them. Somebody's nasty to them, uh, still they love them. You find if people talk about this, like in America, in the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King was saying, you have to give uh, love back to those who hate. Right? Gandhi was also preaching like that. Of course, Jesus spoke like that. Love your enemies, do good to those who curse you, I pray for those who curse you. And I said, there are also people like that. They just, they love, even if somebody's cruel to them, they still love them. And then uh, there's another kind of person. They just don't love anybody. If you love them, they don't love you back. You don't love them, they don't love you back. They just don't love anybody. They're just, they're indifferent. They don't really have caring about anyone. And <laughs> the gopis were indirectly asking, Oh Krishna, which type are you? That's actually what they were asking, but they didn't ask us directly. They just said, Dear Krishna, please properly explain this matter to us. You're the most knowledgeable among all moving and non-moving living entities. Can you please consider and reply, which is the best person? <laughs> so, the Acharyas explain what the gopis were really asking. Do you love us? Are you indifferent to us? Do you have enmity towards us? So often also in our dealings with Krishna, in our dealings with the spiritual, we also project the mundane onto the spiritual. We may think that Krishna is an ordinary person 
And just like in this world, there are persons who love according to how they're loved, and then there are persons who love even those who don't love them, and then there are persons who don't love anyone. Well, Krishna must be like that too. And one of the many, 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 many wonderful things about being under the shelter of Srila Prabhupada is that it is very difficult to make that kind of mistake. Very difficult. Just like in the very early days of the movement after Krishna Book was published, we're going out on the streets distributing Krishna Book to anybody. We're going to the airports, somebody's drinking alcohol, eating meat, whatever. Still, we're giving them Krishna Book. Generally, the injunction is that you don't touch the tenth canto till you've gone to the other nine. But we're giving Krishna Book to everyone. Because Srila Prabhupada is so expertly describing how the spiritual is different from the mundane. But we often get very confused with this. We think that our selfish, lustful dealings in the world are real love. And then we think the dealings of the spiritual, of the devotees and the Krishna and Krishna, that they're just simply some kind of material lust. So the gopis were saying, well, they're trying to figure this out now with logic. You cannot understand the spiritual just with logic. I mean, projection on Iman, they have their place. Sense perception logic, it has its place. It's, it's valuable. It's certainly valuable. But it's not able to give us access to Krishna's heart. One cannot understand Krishna's heart simply through logical analysis or through Sanskrit scholarship. Right? We've also seen in our movement uh, people become great scholars of the Vedas and Sanskrit scholars, and they know all the scriptures and they know all the commentary, and then they just think they know better than Prabhupada. I've seen this so many times. But just to use logic to try to understand what is the heart of God. So this is their logic. They said, all right, Krishna, maybe you love us. It's possible you love us. Is it conditional love? Well, no. Because if it's conditional love, then you would give back what you get. But you don't. Because we've given so much to you. And you left us. We gave so much to you for billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of years. And you left us after calling us. Well, that's not a conditional love. That I get 10 points from you and I give you 10 points. So, I don't think you have conditional love. They say, maybe, maybe it's unconditional Unconditional, you love someone even if they don't love you. No, well, it wasn't that either. Because you didn't care about us. You just didn't care about our distress. We were crying. I mean, were they crying? Were the gopis crying? I don't think any of us have ever cried that much. I mean, of course, is that, you know... The laughter of the Lord dries up the ocean of tears caused by intense grief. So the Acharyas explain that over our billions of lifetimes, 
Altogether, all of our tears have made an ocean. But still, I mean, the gopis cry so much when Krishna is in Kaliya's coils. They were crying so much that the ground became muddy. Anybody ever cried so much that the ground became muddy? I mean, sometimes maybe if you cry a lot, your clothes get a little wet, you know, next to your face. But the ground becomes muddy? I don't think so. And such madness that they actually identified with Krishna and still Krishna didn't come. So they said it's not unconditional. Maybe you're indifferent. You just don't care. You just don't care about us at all. Well, no, no, that's not true either because you do things to make us happy and you do things to make us unhappy. Right? If you don't care about somebody at all, you don't try to make them anything. You don't try to make them happy, you don't try to make them unhappy, you just don't care. So you couldn't be uncaring because you do things to make us happy or unhappy. Do you hate us forever? Oh, that's, that's not true. You don't hate us forever. You, you do things to, to show love to us. That's not right. Maybe we've done something wrong and therefore you have enmity towards us. No, that's, that's not the case either because we haven't done anything unfavorable to you. We've only been serving. So it's not possible that we have done anything. Now, of course, this is not true for us. <laughs> right? This is not the situation for us because uh, we actually are inimical to Krishna, as uh, Prasanta is pointing out in her seminar on Dainagasura, and that uh, we really do have these demons in our heart. We may not admit it, we may not see it, we may think that all the other devotees, they have demons in their heart, <laughs> but not me. But really, we do have these demons in our heart. So Krishna does have some cause for caution. Exactly, again, like, exactly like, you know, if some man had a hundred other girlfriends, so Krishna is our beloved, but do we flirt with Maya? Huh? Yes. Krishna is actually our beloved, isn't he? And yet we've been having an affair with Maya for a long time. And just coming in, oh, I'm sorry. And after we say I'm sorry, do we stop our affair with Maya completely? <laughs> yeah. We come, Krishna, I surrender to you. I'm so sorry. I'm just going to do whatever you want. And then we never, ever, ever do anything in Maya again, right? Is that right? No. So imagine, you know, you have this husband, and he's had a hundred girlfriends and cheated on you for so long, and he comes with some roses. I'm so sorry. I won't do it again. I love you. And then a week later, you find him with a girl again. You know? So this is really our position. And therefore, Krishna, for us, he's actually a little wary a little careful. Can I really trust you? Can I really open up my heart to you? Okay. 
But we often do this thing, just like the gopis are asking about these different persons. We try to put Krishna in an ordinary category, according to our material experience. We think, you know, Krishna should act in this way because this is my material experience. This is what I would expect. We don't see ourselves honestly, and we see Krishna according to a material estimation. Therefore, we become full of doubts. Well, maybe the process doesn't work because Krishna doesn't immediately come and accept me to the spiritual world after one week of chanting. Well, you know, Prahlad Maharaj was told by Narada, Chitraketu also, they were told if you chant this mantra for one week, you'll see the perfected beings in the sky. So we may think, well, there must be something, must be something wrong with the process or something wrong with Krishna. So what we really need to do is we need to say, okay, Krishna, let me try to understand your heart. Let me try to understand how you feel. I want you to manifest in my heart. I want you to reciprocate with me. I want to feel your love. I want to be with you all the time. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? Please show me the ways in which I am mistreating the other devotees. Please show me the ways in which I am mistreating other living entities. Please show me the ways in which I can please you. Please show me the ways in which I have disappointed you. Please help me to become the kind of person with whom you want to reciprocate. So we very rarely do this, even in our human interactions. Even in our human interactions. When people are looking to get married, usually they ask, oh, what's the best kind of person who can serve me? Generally. You know, a girl wants to get married. Oh, I want a husband who's going to do this for me and this for me and this for me and this for me. The man wants to get married. Well, I want a wife who will be this for me and this for me and this for me. There's one devotee, I know he's getting older and older and not married. And I said, Prabhu, you really need to get married. He said, yes, I know. I said, well, what kind of woman are you looking for? He said, well, she has to be a virgin. And I said, I'm sorry to ask this question, but are you a virgin? He says, no. <laughs> so this is, <laughs> this is the general mood that I'm thinking how can other people please me? And we, we, we make demands of others in our relationship. And we demand of others, you must accept what I want to give you. And we don't try to find out what will please them. Like I was giving the example of gifts. Right? I have also another very funny experience. I mean, uh, you, you're not going to believe me, but I swear, I swear, this is a true story. You're really not going to believe me. And I, but it's true. I'm not exaggerating or changing even one speck of it. So I was in one country recently, and after my class, one girl came to me with a DVD of lectures by a guru who's not in, in this country. And she said, here, I'd like you to watch this. 
And I said, but my computer doesn't have an optical drive. I can't watch DVDs. I don't have any means to watch it. She said, well, just take it anyway. I said, what will I do with it? I can't watch it. Just take it. But I, but I can't watch it. And then she said, well, I really want you to have it. And I couldn't even give it to anybody else. Nobody else would want it. So I had to throw it away. So I thought this is very interesting. Somebody saying, I want you to have this gift. Was it a gift for me? Who is she giving the gift for? Herself. So what I just told you, two weeks after this incident, I was in another country, and exactly what I just told you, I explained again. We were having a class on nectar of instruction text for the six level exchanges. It's exactly the story I just told, the same story, as an example. The next day, I wish I was making this up, the next day, some man comes to me after the class and says, I have something I want to give you. Oh, what is that? Here's a DVD of a Mayavadi guru. <laughs> I, it was very hard for me not to laugh. I said, I don't have an optical reader in my computer. I can't watch it. <laughs> Please take it, but I can't watch it. I have no, nothing I can do with it. Oh, take it anyway. I said, what will I do with it? Well, I really want you to have it, he said. Wow. So it was some follower of Sankaracharya, so I had to throw it away again. So when we want a relationship with Krishna, we should be asking Krishna, what do you want? Not trying to force a relationship with Krishna according to what I want. Not thinking, am I really pleasing Krishna? Am I trying to use Krishna to please myself? That is the basic situation in the material world. I am trying to use Krishna's energy to please myself. Now the vikarmis, they're trying to steal Krishna's energy to please themselves. The karmis, they pay for Krishna's energy to please themselves. But we are not trying to use Krishna, either his energy or Krishna directly, to please ourselves. That is not love. <laughs> If someone is using me to please themselves, is that love? No, that's not love. And my dear friends, I thought I have till 2. 1.30. Oh, okay. My dear friends is very subtle. It's very subtle. So therefore we really have to pray to Krishna. It's not something we can understand with the mind. It's something we have to understand through revelation. Therefore, we have to go to the heart. And my dear Krishna, please show me how I can please you. And just imagine if we have a society where everyone is thinking like that. That is the idea of our Krishna conscious society, where everyone is thinking, how can I please the Lord according to his desire and how can I please the other devotees so that Krishna is pleased? So as I said, today we only had the problem. 
And tomorrow we'll have Krishna is discussing what we'll be looking at tomorrow is Krishna will answer. And Krishna tomorrow though, Krishna is going to give an analysis of the nine different kinds of relationships in this world. A detailed analysis, the nine different relationships. And day after tomorrow, Krishna will reveal who he is and how he responds and why he responds and what is the mystery of our reciprocation with Krishna. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai, Shri Bhagavatam Ki Jai.